Um, so Daniel 7, verses 1 to 14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all of the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. The horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is is one that will never be destroyed. The second reading comes from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, and can be found on page 1162 of the Church Bibles. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The trouble with the Bible is it is just too hard to understand. 
It's full of strange tales and strange images that are just too hard to interpret. And even if you could interpret it, it just doesn't connect with the real world. It's so long ago, it's so far away, that it has nothing to do with our everyday life. And surely, Daniel 7 would have to be a prime example. So far, Daniel has been full of great stories, stories in the real world uh, with plenty of drama. But now the book of Daniel, for the rest of it, gets weird. It's apocalyptic writing with strange imagery of beasts and strange mysterious numbers. It seems to not be about this world, but some end-of-the-world time. And there are some Christians who get very excited about this sort of thing, that they read the symbols and the beasts and they try and work out what it means and they identify people and they predict dates. They hear the number 666 and work out who it is. But most of us think it's all too hard. And we don't want to be one of those weird Christians. And we wonder, what on earth does it have to do with the real world? Uh, Well, tonight we're looking at Daniel 7. In two weeks' time, when I'm back, we'll look at uh, Daniel 10 to 12. And I want you to see that, no, it's not easy, but you can understand it. There's no secret held somewhere in a vault that you have to find somehow. The meaning's given for you. You let the Bible interpret the Bible. You can understand it. And it is about the real world. In fact, it tells you how to understand the real world and how to live right in the real world. We're on page 881. To understand it, you've got to have it in front of you. So please have it open, Daniel chapter 7. It's a scary dream. In my vision at night, verse 2, Daniel looked... And there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. There are some weird people in the world who think that there's nothing nicer than being on a boat and swaying this way and this way. The rest of us are normal and think that ground, which is solid, is nice. But even if you like the sea, you wouldn't like this, would you, verse 2? You're on the sea... But the sea is being churned up by the four winds of heaven. Here is a scary picture, a chaotic picture. And in the Bible, often the sea is an image, a picture of chaos that needs order. Think Genesis 1. The world when God first created it was a watery mass. And then God created order. This is a scary scene, and out of this scary sea comes four terrifying beasts. Verse 3. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first is like a lion, but also like an eagle. And as he watches, the wings of the eagle are torn off, and he is given the heart of a man. The second beast is terribly violent. It is like a bear, still eating its last meal and then told by someone to keep on eating. The third beast, verse 6, is like a leopard, 
swift, quick to move upon the earth, and given authority to rule. Three terrifying beasts that are like creatures, but worse. But the fourth beast is worst of all, verse 7. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. Here is a terrible beast, uh, terrifying. The first three are like beasts that we know, but this one is unlike any creature. Terrifying and powerful and arrogant. Here is a scary dream. A sea that is churning with chaos and four terrifying beasts. My son came in this morning at 5am. He'd had a nightmare. A nightmare of beasts. What was so terrifying about it? He dreamt that he had killed his brother's budgie. Because he thought the budgie was a rat. This is a terrifying dream when you're worried how your brother's going to react. A dream about beasts. But this dream that Daniel had is much worse, isn't it? And there's no wonder, is there, that Daniel was disturbed. What on earth is this dream about? What are these four mysterious and terrifying beasts? Well, Daniel's told. We don't need to be left wondering what they represent. Verse 16, Daniel asks someone in the vision what it means. And verse 17, he's told the answer. The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to find some secret message written somewhere. You're told in the Bible. These four beasts, you're told what you need to know, are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. Now, we're used to this in Daniel. Back in chapter 2, there was a statue, do you remember, of four different metals that represented four different kingdoms. Kingdoms that, because they were fragile, crashed to the ground. This time, it's not the fragility of these kingdoms, but their character, they are beastly. Why are they beastly? Well, do you remember Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4? He was like the great tree ruling over the earth, given authority by God and providing for all. But when he became proud and arrogant, he stopped ruling like a man and started talking like an animal. By my power, for my glory. And as he started talking like an animal, so he became like an animal. Do you remember? He was driven away from men and his hair became like the hair, the feathers of an eagle. He stayed that way until he was given his sanity back. And he acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. Now, does that remind you of any of the beasts? The first beast is like an eagle and then is given the heart of a man. But Nebuchadnezzar is not alone. Do you see that? 
there are three other beasts. Indeed, not just three other rulers, but all rulers, I think. For you can try and identify which kingdom each of these beasts represent. The fourth one might be the Greek Empire and a particular horn is a particular ruler, perhaps, Antiochus IV, who you've never heard of, I understand that, but he hated the Jews, and that fits with Daniel 7. It might be him, but Daniel didn't know that. He's not given any information in this chapter about which empire is which, or which ruler is which. In chapter 8, he is the Medes and Persians and the Greek Empire, but in chapter 7, nothing. He doesn't need to know. It's not a specific vision, it's general. Here are four kingdoms represented by four beasts to show you what human rulers and human kingdoms are like. In the 5th century BC, in the 1st century AD, in the 20th and 21st century AD, human rulers are like this. They reject God, they speak like animals, and they destroy others. They are beastly. You think of Adolf Hitler, the terrorists whom we are afraid of, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, the ruler of Syria and how he treats his people. This is what human rulers are like right throughout history. That's the meaning of the vision. And so what do you expect of the world? Do you expect things to be getting better and better? Do you expect life to be easy and for your government to provide for you and to be stable and nice towards you? That's our experience largely in Australia, isn't it? But it's not the normal experience in our world and we shouldn't expect it to continue forever in our country. Human rulers are beastly because human rulers are human, just like you and I, but with more power. This vision tells us what to expect of the world and therefore it tells us what to expect of life. Would you expect life to be easy? Would you expect life to be getting better? No. Do you notice that the worst beast is the last one? Things get worse, not better, especially for God's people. For this fourth beast, as the interpretation goes on down to verse 25, begins to attack God's people, especially verse 25. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. 2 Timothy 3 tells us, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? Because human rulers are beastly and often they persecute Christians. In the very first year that I was here, 11 years ago, I preached on Daniel on this passage. And this was true then. But 11 years later, 
it seems more true in Australia, doesn't it? We realise it more that Australians are given a hard time and are even given a hard time by those in political power. And we should expect it to get worse. Daniel 7 shows us the real world. Be ready for it. But this won't be the real world forever. That's the next point of Daniel's vision. That's the meaning, I think, of that weird time reference in verse 25. Did you notice that? I'm sure you did. Verse 25, the saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. That's not all that specific, is it? How long are you going to the beach for? A time, times, and half a time. It's general and weird and mysterious. But at the very least it says this, it's cut short. Time, times, and half a time. Something's interrupted. And it could well be also that it's time, times, which is two perhaps, and half a time. How much does that make? Clever maths people. Three and a half, which happens to be half of seven, and seven is the number of completion in the Bible's symbolic number system. That's cut short language, isn't it? This ruler who attacks God's people, his rule is cut short. Cut short by what? Well, the dream continues but changes, doesn't it? Verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was open, and the books The court was seated and the books were opened. There's a vision of four beasts, four kingdoms. And now here is one king sitting on one throne and he changes everything. What has he come to do? He has come to judge. The books are open. And a fire flows out before him, Revelation 20, uh, it's judgment time. Here is the end of all history and the defining moment of all history. The rulers are put to an end because God will judge. What happens when this ancient of days takes his seat? Verse 11, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing furnace, blazing fire. The first three beasts are terrifying, aren't they? But they are under someone's control. Did you notice that? Uh, He's given a heart of a man. He's told what to do. He's given authority to rule. But it's the fourth beast that seems to be out of control. There's no indication that anyone is controlling him. Verse 11, he is still boasting about his power when the Ancient of Days has arrived. It's like a pantomime. Do you remember those? Here is the fourth beast still boasting about his great power. And here is the throne room has been set up on this side of the stage. And the Ancient of Days has taken his seat and he hasn't noticed. 
He's still boasting about his great power. And you, the audience, are going, look, look, he's about to... He's got no idea. And what happens to him, verse 11? This one of great power was slain, body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. Was it hard for God to do this? Did it take a while in the vision? No, of course not. Our world is dominated by terrifying rulers. And the United Nations and our nation and America spend a lot of their time trying to work out how to control them, how to put an end to them, and in the end often fight terrifying wars. And yet still more beastly rulers emerge. What is the answer to all of this? Will anyone put an end to it? Yes. History is his story, and in the end, he will judge. This is good news, isn't it? Can you see how good judgment is? There are beastly rulers in the world who seem to get away with it. But in the end, they do not. God will bring it to an end, and he will judge them. But he won't just judge them, will he? They are beastly rulers because they are human rulers, because they are like us but with more power. And God will judge all people who refuse to submit to him. The writing is on the wall, remember. We have all been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Our days have been numbered and God will bring them to an end. And if you are not ready for that, then it is time to beg God's mercy before he comes to judge. And if you know people who are not yet ready for that, it's time, isn't it? It's urgent to warn them of the judgment to come and to tell them of the Saviour, who is Jesus. Human rulers are beasts. Expect that. But God will judge, and that is good news. But the dream doesn't end there either, does it? It's not just about the defiance of God and how these rulers destroy God's people, but that God will judge. God will do something even better. There are the four beasts, the ancient of days, and one like a son of man. Verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. In the midst of these terrifying beasts out of judgment, there is hope. He's one like a son of man. What does that mean? Why did there need to be one like a son of man? Well, the rulers are beasts, do you remember? They are animals. And what's needed is a human, truly human ruler. That's the meaning here, isn't it? These rulers who are beasts 
are replaced by one who is a human. A ruler who acknowledges that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. Here is the new start to human history that's totally different to all rulers who have come before. One who submits to God, recognizes that he is the rightful ruler and rules on his behalf. Rules as Adam should have. That's why he's one like a son of man. And it's great news for God's people. For God will judge the beasts and get rid of them and set up a new kingdom and he will then give it to his people. Do you see that in the interpretation? Verse 17, the four great beasts, the four kingdoms that will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. The saints are God's people. All of those who trust in Jesus and we will receive the kingdom and that kingdom will last forever. But who is this son of man? Do you notice that in verse 17 and 18, the interpretation, there is no interpretation given of who the son of man is. That's surprising, isn't it? It's a real bare-bones interpretation. It gives you the start of the vision, the four beasts, the four kingdoms, and the end of the vision, the kingdoms given to the saints. It doesn't mention the God judges the beasts. It doesn't mention that the, the court will sit. It doesn't mention that the Son of Man will come. That's all assumed in the middle there, but not interpreted, do you see? And so who is this Son of Man? It must be a man, but it can't. Just be a man, can it? For he comes with the clouds of heaven. That means he's coming from God. And he's worshipped by every nation, tribe and language. That can't be a man. You should only worship God. It must be a man and it must be God. Now I've got to stop there because you're all thinking, come on, Sean, I know the answer to this one. We all know, we've heard this before. The answer is Jesus. For This is Jesus' favourite title for himself, the Son of Man. He knew Daniel 7 and knew that he was the man who would rule under God. He knew he was the Son of Man who was also God and had come from God and would go to God and be given all the glory, honour and power and receive the kingdom. That's exactly what he did, wasn't it? He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he was raised and then went to God in the clouds, that's what Daniel 7 says, and was given the power and the glory, as Philippians 2 says. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth. What should we do now that Jesus has been given all all authority. Matthew 28 makes it very clear. Make disciples. For Jesus is the Son of Man who rules the kingdom and shares the kingdom with us. Can you see what good news this is? God is going to judge these beastly rulers, but even better than that, he has given a ruler who is right, who is good, and who will rule forever. 
I was listening on the radio this week about the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Have you ever heard of it? The Congo is in the middle of Africa. Uh, they gained independence some 50 or 60 years ago, and uh, since then they've had a series of rulers. Not once in that time have they had a peaceful transition of power from one ruler to another. There's always a battle. There's always bloodshed. And the current president has been in power for about 14 years and is seeking another term. By power. And did you remember the name of this country? It's called the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The Congo bit's right, isn't it? Now what do you think the people of the Congo are longing for, those who are not on this guy's side? A good leader who doesn't rule by tyranny. We long for that too in our country. We've just had a much better run. Do we have a leader like that? We sure do. He is the son of man who rules as a human being was supposed to. And he is God's ruler, so his kingdom lasts forever. Expect rightly in the real world. Human rulers are beastly and we should expect them to be like that and be ready for it. But know that God will judge and bring it to an end. And more than that even, he has given his son of man who is the ruler, the leader who then shares his kingdom with us forever. This is great comfort and it's a great message to give to others. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Ancient of Days with all power, glory and authority. And so, Father, we thank you that you tell us the truth about this real world, that the rulers of this real world do not submit to you and a lot of the time are beastly in the way that they treat people. Father, we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come for we want this to end. We thank you for the promise that it will, and even more, that you have given one like a son of man who rules rightly. Thank you that he even shares his kingdom with us. We pray that as we live in this real world, that we'd have right expectations, that we'd have comfort, and that you'd help us to share this great message. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.